0: Welcome to SHIFT, a college admissions, ACT, and SAT podcast for a changing world. I'm Tyler, founder of Achievable, and we have an affordable ACT course that uses memory-based adaptive learning technology to get you better results in less time. You can get a free trial at achievable.me, and if you like it, the code podcast gets you 10% off at checkout. Now, let's get started. Today, we have Scott Webster from Claiborne Education on the show with us. Scott, if you could just share a little bit about yourself and your background
1: and your company, that'd be great. Great. Happy to, Tyler. Uh, Glad to be here. Uh, So again, I'm Scott Webster. I'm one of the proprietors of Claiborne Education. Uh, We're an education firm based out of central Virginia, and we work with our clients uh, in their college and graduate admissions journey. Uh, So that that encompasses a number of different services, ranging from academic support for high school students who are struggling um, in a specific subject to preparing for standardized tests, uh, to even helping them develop their college admissions portfolio so they can apply confidently to their schools of choice. Great.
0: Yeah. So then big piece of that is preparing for the a c t right if you if that's one of the exams you're taking, and so I wanted to go over today's section specific strategies for each of the a c t sections right um, start starting with the English, which is a fun one that i think i think we're gonna kind of' we're, i think let's go in the order that they do them right so let's start with english and sure it from there
1: yeah great um so a c t uh gives students um a nice entry point into the exam, unlike the SAT, which starts off with a very daunting reading comprehension section. Uh, ACT English is relatively straightforward. Um, mm. it, it begins uh, with a series of passages, five unique passages, most likely from sources students are not familiar with, but that doesn't really matter. And it's. Um, well, that's the point, right? Right. They're they're not assuming background knowledge on subject matter specifically. They they fundamentally want students to demonstrate their uh, competence in grammar uh, and English composition. Uh, So uh, it's helpful to start by reminding our listeners of uh, the format of the English section. 45 minutes, decent... Mm -hmm chunk of time uh, and 75 questions that's the one that often gets students it's an intimidating number to see in uh, close proximity to 45 minutes but my reassurance is they're very straightforward for the most part very straightforward questions and most students will have a comfortable margin in which to complete the the task even if it's a little mind-numbingly repetitive Right. Uh, yes. So um, uh, it would be helpful to start then strategically by, and we always recommend this uh, as best practice, to take a sample section of the test. Uh, there are mm-hmm. free resources out there. There are, again, third party publishers who make great material. Uh, but just to see what kinds of questions uh, you feel comfortable uh, attempting. It's all multiple choice. Um, And and more importantly, quantifiably, which questions are you missing? (laughs) And Mm -hmm. that sets the stage for further investigation. So it's helpful to to break them into categories. Uh, The first and simplest category, most predictably, is grammar and mechanics. This is content students have been exposed to since elementary years. Uh, Most have formally been taught this in middle school. Think um, subject-verb-object agreement, how to use a comma, the infamous comma splice, which students sometimes remember as high schoolers but uh, may often forget. Uh, These are rules-based, very much like quantitative theorems and uh, equated outcomes. There's one right use for punctuation and sentence structure. So uh, identifying all of those rules and ensuring that you can identify them in context and navigate multiple choice questions when they're incorrectly deployed is the key to success there. That's fairly straightforward with a few exceptions at the, the most complex and nuanced side. Mm-hmm. The The harder category to navigate is rhetorical. Um, mm-hmm. Rhetorical meaning the art of communicating through written language in this case. So these are questions like, should you use this word in this context or a different word? There's a vocabulary dimension to this. So some students may need to spend a couple of quality hours on building their vocabulary or... Whenever they miss a question and don't recognize a word, uh, writing that down and keeping a a log on that. Mm -hmm. But uh, it also encompasses questions like, what is the meaning of this phrase? Is it relevant to say this at this point? Is it even the right sequence of ideas? Um, This is a common struggle for students who are learning to write well (laughs) in high school. So this also shows up in a standardized test format like the ACT. Uh, And you can still identify them the same way you should identify questions about punctuation, Um, but improving your execution on them is is trickier because it's not necessarily rules-based. It's heavily contextual. Mm -hmm. Um, That said, though, uh, you can focus on those, work through more material, look at explanatory Answers If the resource you're using offers them um, and really try to identify the patterns of, of composition. Um, a helpful trend to look for is a uh, pro tip, right, is uh, can you say this phrase with fewer words? It's a very prominent theme on the ACT uh, that mm-hmm. where possible, be concise. You don't need those superfluous adjectives. You don't need unnecessary phrasing. So that's a quick insight to that. Um, overarching it, although uh, English is probably the most straightforward section, the place you should prioritize of all four sections because you can improve most readily there. Mm-hmm. Great. Yeah, any other tips
0: on English or ready to move on to math? Yeah.
1: Um, the only other thing I'll mention with English is uh, that it, it often is simply a function of repetition. Uh, being able to mm-hmm. see correct and compelling sentence structure, paragraph order. So unfortunately, um, it, it does typically mean hours spent working through ACT English passages and just doing the dogged work of answering multiple choice questions and using process of elimination and really uh, diving into sentence composition. Right. Exactly. And
0: so now let's move on to the math section. Um, Tell me your, your strategies for dealing
1: with the ACT math. Sure. Um, So this is fairly universally true. Math on standardized tests like ACT and SAT is notorious um, because one, it tests students in a very different capacity from their core math subjects. So if a student mm-hmm. is on an advanced math trajectory, they're taking an AP calculus or IB variant in school, they're going to find that the material on this test is far, far lower in complexity um, mm-hmm. in terms of uh, just advanced math. The math itself, yeah. The math itself is algebra. It's geometry. It's material from early years of math instruction. Um, But uh, rest assured right there, there is a means to improvement. Uh, It starts with ensuring that you have a consistent strategic approach. Otherwise, math can feel like this uh, just overwhelming snowballing uh, effect of random word problems coming at you from all different mathematical disciplines, Uh, students very quickly burn out in math. And the questions, remember, uh, get progressively more difficult. Sequentially, the test is harder. Question 60 is really complex and difficult, even if it's more foundational math, compared to question 16. So, Mm -hmm. Knowing that means that you can focus on your approach on uh, prioritizing low-hanging fruit. But in terms of analytical approach, uh, we typically recommend um, a fairly simple but three-stage process of information gathering, planning and evaluation, and then execution. Uh, That can be tailored to your individual preferences, of course, but first... Information gathering means you simply need to know what the test writer has given you. Uh, Sometimes that's terminology like this is a linear relationship or a quadratic relationship. Sometimes they won't say anything and just give you some strange-looking graph or figure or table, and that's also valuable. Um, Mm -hmm. Then they give you... uh, what the objective is for this question. You need to know what your end point is and how you move from A to Z. (laughs) Um, From there, though, you have five possible answers. One of them is correct. The other four are not. That's very helpful. Uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention how powerful process of elimination is on these tests. So Mm -hmm. maybe it makes sense after you've done some data analysis and you've done some investigative work, that you start eliminating nonsensical, extreme answers so that you can winnow the field of possibility that will help Mm -hmm. you make decisions more efficiently and improve your accuracy. But the evaluative and planning stage is the trickiest. You have the data, you have the information in front of you, and you know where you need to go. But what do you do with that? Do you write an equation? Do you draw a figure? Do you annotate an existing shape or figure? There's a lot of geometry on ACT, so be prepared to see uh, lots of triangles and polygons, and sometimes those are on the coordinate plane. So be prepared for how to navigate and interpret that. But finally, Mm -hmm. um, execution comes down to are you able to put your information gathering, and your planning into effect. Uh, one of the, the big obstacles I've noticed in my students and in my own history is organizational. Can you, can you structure your process well and clearly, visually? Because the more clutter, the more noise on the page, the harder it is to do that sequentially as they get harder and harder, and you're starting to, to wane in focus and attention attentional resources. Mm -hmm. Um, at the end of it though again I'll mention low-hanging fruit prioritize getting the first well it depends on where you're starting of course and what your end goal is but start with the first half of the test can you get to a place where you're consistently getting the first 30 questions correct if yes great that can be uh, essentially a maintenance level exercise for you and then you can shift your efforts to the harder portions of the test, 31 to 50. And unless you're aiming for the top and you really need the strongest math score possible, which is possible in a certain Mm -hmm. student situation, uh, don't really attempt the last 10 questions. They are just there to get you. (laughs) They're very difficult and they're only really necessary if you need 99th percentile scores.
0: Right. Yeah, that's great advice. Thank you. Now let's go on to the ACT reading section, right? Which is a little less intimidating than the SAT reading section, uh, but still, you know, reading is always a little hard it in is. our modern age.
1: It is, uh, and, and you alluded to it, Tyler. But um, ACT reading is hard for a very different reason. Well, for for a different reason than the SAT, it is yeah. much more accessible, less intimidating. It's only 35 minutes, but it is – it's a tall order. Um, 35 minutes, four passages across a a variety of genres, and 40 questions. So quick math means you don't even have a minute per question to do reading comprehension. Um, It's mostly a time management uh, dilemma. You don't have enough time to read comfortably. Uh, you don't have enough time to read very thoroughly, which actually is a, an insight into the strategy behind ACT reading. And this mm-hmm. is true of science, which we'll talk about last, I'm sure. Uh, we don't have enough time to do what they want us to do, which is read and answer multiple choice questions pertaining to this passage. To do that effectively, so um, strategically for reading, we need we need a plan for navigating a lot of text quickly. Uh, that yeah. can branch into skim reading methodology, annotation strategies. I'll just briefly mention that uh, it has been very effective in our programming to help students identify broad patterns in effective uh, composition. So, if it is a literary passage, then you shouldn't be looking for a thesis or supporting evidence for an argument. That's not the intention behind a literary passage. You should be looking for the named characters, those proper nouns. They jump off the page because of the capitalized letters. Uh, You should be looking for major plot events. Uh, You should be looking for how these characters feel. Feelings really matter in literary forms, and most questions are going to ask you to engage with the text in that way. Okay. As you branch into the the three other genres, you're going to see what's referred to as social sciences, humanities, and natural sciences. These are much more traditional uh, passage structures. So introductory thesis. Maybe it's argumentative, maybe it's just informational. You're going to see a body of evidence building on that thesis, possibly introducing some counter argument, uh, or just outlining more and more details. So know the genre of the passage, know what to expect. If it's natural science, be prepared for just a, a tidal wave of information right? It's probably an astronomy passage. (laughs) Um, That's a a notable trend in the world of standardized testing. But if not, it could be in any other discipline. You can expect that you haven't, you most likely have not read it before, and it is an excerpt. Um, But the key is don't get lost in the details of the passage. You don't have time to fully comprehend. But what you do have time to do identify the most likely important places, think topic sentences of paragraphs, uh, intro conclusion, and then you can use those as reference points as you're you're navigating the questions. Um, The last thing I'll mention for, for reading is how important it is to recognize that it is an objectively correct answer, not what you think it is that's a that's a subtle shift right where in your other english or literary coursework you you have the opportunity to to investigate creatively the text possibly make your own argument about themes or you can connect it to other big ideas philosophically or literary in nature here it's The test writer has four possible answer choices and one is correct. So, you know, get into the weeds of your answer choices. Look for material that doesn't align with the text. Fundamentally, if it's not supported in the text, it's not the right answer. And that could be one word. Maybe the the character was um, frustrated with the other character, but one of the answers says he hated this character. That's wrong, right? Because the text did not say or connote hatred. It was, right, you know, distrust or ambivalence or frustration. So that's it on on the reading section.
0: Yeah, th- those are all great tips. I really, uh, I really like these so far. And then let's move on to the last and most unique section between <laughs> these two tests, which is the ACT Science section.
1: Woo! Yes. Oh, man. Over the years in which I've worked with high school students on this, science is the most um, uh, the most okay. variable. And, and, yeah, tricky perhaps. Well, it depends on the student for sure. I would say, like right. you said, it's kind of the wild card of standardized testing. There's nothing like it in any other tradition. AP uh, coursework, AP exams are subject matter specific. So if you... Are taking the AP Chemistry exam? Mm-hmm. How do you do well on that test? You study a lot of chemistry, <laughs> and you take AP uh, Chemistry practice tests, and it's subject matter dependent. ACT Science is a very strange amalgam of chemistry, physics, biology, astronomy, genetics, every known uh, scientific discipline. But in a multiple-choice format, at the end of a four-hour standardized test, and they make no assumption that you know anything about the content. (laughs) Right.
0: It is so... So you're not an AP chemistry student, right? No. So it's like
1: entry-level, but hard. That's right. Yeah, it's not MCAT standard, where... You have to know the underlying science. So what that means, and this is perhaps one of the most revelatory components to science is you don't need to know the science. It is far, far more important strategically for you to get comfortable with the time. And it's not comfortable. Nowhere in students' uh, science coursework are they uh, sat down, uh, presented a... Uh, a procedural um, experiment, the uh, quantifiable results, and then given like five minutes to answer six multiple choice questions about them. That is a baffling undertaking. And what it means is that the, the skill that's really being measured here is a student's ability to read quickly, accurately, and to navigate data, and general scientific method elements comfortably. So that's just a unusual <laughs> a series of criteria. The good news for most students is uh, you can definitely improve through practice, But but a lot of it involves finding efficiency measures in data interpretation. One of the most helpful recommendations I can offer is do not read the passage. It seems completely (laughs) counterintuitive. How on earth can I answer questions correctly if I don't read the passage? But you're not going to understand most of what you're seeing on that page. So why not go immediately to the questions that are going to say something to the effect of according to table one, as this variable increases, what does the other variable do? And you can answer that irrespective of the content whether that's biology physics chemistry etc so pro tip there don't get lost in the passages you do not get points for reading very carefully for learning mm-hmm. new information you get points for choosing the right multiple choice answer that pertains to the data that you see on the page
0: very cool Thanks so much. This has been Shift, a college admissions podcast for a changing world, hosted by Tyler from Achievable with Scott Webster from Claiborne Education. You can get a free trial of our ACT course by visiting achievable.me. And if you like it, be sure to use the code podcast to get 10% off.